0: You started your own business, you got your accountant bill, so you decided to become an accountant. Yeah. So, you know, you get so many no's from investors, but then you get the one yes, and they kind of validate the idea and you can move on to the next stage. But a lot of, why would you combine these two things? Like banking works perfectly well over here, accounting software works perfectly well over there. Why would you put them together? Where I wanted to be the founder, I wanted to be the director, the shareholder, I wanted to be involved in the decision making. I went up to my two friends and I said, you know, how do I get in on this? And they said, you can't. I mean, me personally as an entrepreneur and a founder, I like to do things differently. I embrace change. I like to think differently and approach things differently. And I think most people aren't like that. Most people don't like change, just like the way things are. And I think that's where the kind of the pushback comes. You know, Why put these two things together? What works now works perfectly well. Why try and change that?
1: Tim Foraker, he's the founder of Counting Up. Counting Up provides your business current account and your online accounting services. And he bucks the trend where people say, if you don't know how to do something, get an expert in to do it. When he wanted to understand how accounting works after getting a high bill from his accountant, he decided to become an accountant. When he had an issue with banking, he decided to create a bank. Just like everybody usually would. He's the founder of Clearbooks, an online accounting platform that has investors, co workers working alongside those. What drives you to leave a business you founded to start another? My name's Richard Osborne. This is Drive, the small business podcast from UKBF. Tell us first, what is Counting Up? Counting Up is
0: a business current account with integrated accounting software. So we're on a a mission to make it easier to run a small business, um, and very simply, that's what Counting Up is.
1: I found a post on UK Business Forums um, back for well, back in January 2018, and it was you uh, signed up to UK Business Forums. I don't know if you even remember this.
0: I, I was I was probably you, uh, trying to get customers at the time. Was I was I abusing you, the the policy? No, that... <laughs> no, no,
1: it's nothing like that. Don't worry. <laughs> You uh, was asking the question about what has effectively become Counting Up. Now I know that Counting Up is one of the significant players in the banking uh, sort of small business banking space uh, now, and as an organisation, um, Business Data Group and Counting Up work together, and um, the, you're a significant client of ours. So I know Counting Up is doing well. The so when. I found this post on UK business forums where you was muting the idea. So a lot of people come onto the platform and say, I'm thinking of doing this thing and they're getting feedback. You muted the idea of what do the members here think about having a bank for your business that also has an integrated accounting platform for doing your accounts. Yeah. And the overall response generally was negative.
0: Yeah, I got, a lot, <laughs> I got a lot of no's. I've got a lot of this is a terrible idea. I got a lot of why would you combine these two things? Like banking yeah. works perfectly well over here. Accounting software works perfectly well over there. Yeah. Why would you put them together?
1: Um, Do you think it's an element of sometimes people don't know what they really want because they've never heard of it before?
0: Yes, absolutely. So I'll, I'll tell you where the idea came from for combining these two things. So I was running my previous company, ClearBooks, so a cloud accounting yeah. software similar to Xero and, and QuickBooks, yeah. and I was observing my customers getting their CSV bank statements and importing them into my accounting system yeah. or their or Yodely the bank feeds at the time to pull the data in. And I just felt like there was just this massive duplication of data and effort because in the bank account, you've got your actual bank transactions. In the accounting system, you create an exact replica called the cash ledger. In the bank account, you set up a payee. In the accounting system, that's just called a supplier. And in the bank account, you pay people. And in the accounting system, you record the fact that you pay people. So we're doing the same thing in two places, calling it different things. And I felt like if we could just combine this into one product, it would be more automated, more seamless, and just simpler for a small business. So that's why, I mean, I really believe the idea was a goer, but so many people said no, so many investors, like raising money, so many people said this is a stupid idea and why, why would you put these
1: two things together and that's that 's the thing because i 'm on the same side of the fence as you it It just makes complete logical sense, speaking as a small business owner myself um, admittedly it 's been a few years since i 've even i don 't even i even couldn 't even log into our accounting platform now but the uh, I remember doing that myself and there is so much duplication and to be fair we're now in 2022 uh, and it's a fairly commonplace uh, but going back nearly five years now you was uh, right at the forefront of thinking we should do this and you had all that negative sort of feedback from it but you still went ahead and done it so sort of two questions really first of all what's your view on why there was a negative feedback for it? What were what some of the challenges, for example? And then the follow-on for that is, why did you still go ahead and do it?
0: So I think, um, I mean, me personally as an entrepreneur, a founder, I like to do things differently. I embrace change. Um, I like to think differently and approach things differently. And I think most people aren't like that. Most people don't like change, um, just like The way things are, and I think that's where the kind of the pushback comes. You know, why put these two things together? What works now works perfectly well. Why try and change that? Um, So yeah, I I, I guess you know my reason for kind of um, going ahead and bringing banking and accounting together is because I truly believed it was going to be better for small businesses. Um, I thought it was a new way of doing things that was innovative, and I'm very determined to kind of um, you know see things through and,
1: and and uh, yeah, that's why. You grew up, or uh, much of your childhood was in Ghana. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. So from 11 to 16, I went yeah. to second, secondary school in Ghana in an yeah.
1: international school. And then you uh, moved to the UK, where and that's where your mum started a business. Is that right?
0: Yeah. So before we moved, to, so my mum's where I get my entrepreneurial kind of zeal from that's and the, was the, heading, the, yeah. the, the, the get it done kind of mindset. Um, so my mum had set up a ballet school in England when we lived in England. We then moved to Ghana and she set up the first Royal Academy of Dance Ballet School in Ghana, and I believe in the whole of West Africa. And then when we came back to England, she resumed her ballet school and set up a theatre school. So she's always been, you know, sort of running these, uh, the, the, these ballet schools at, at the weekend and, you know, Friday evenings and so on. Um, so I grew up watching my mum do that. Um, but when we came back from Ghana... Uh, I had to do a piece of A-level coursework, um, for my computer studies A-level, and I can't really remember how it happened, but I ended up creating a a dance school database for my mum so that she could run her business. Um, so it kind of did the registers, um, sent out invoices, created letters for the, for the parents, um, and she used this to run her business. And, and actually what happened was she and her business partner paid me for the software, and then they had loads of ideas about like improving it, so I constantly was getting paid to make these improvements to the system and it really kind of connected the dots for me between I've got this skill programming, I can do this um, this programming thing, and I can get paid for it um, and that really kind of uh, continued throughout the rest of my career that you know those two dots being joined up
1: and the I don't know. Was it that same piece of software that led into ClearBooks?
0: No. Well, so, um, so that database that I created, I, I made a web. So I was like seventeen years old, and I, I made a website. I, I put it um, put 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 out that it was for sale. I expected all these ballet schools and theatre <laughs> schools to come and buy this thing, and, and no one did because I knew nothing about promotion and, and sales and marketing. Um, but no, what happened next was so after university. Um, I worked as a web developer for a couple of friends of mine who hadn't gone to uni. They'd set up a business. It was doing really well, and I was making websites. But having that kind of entrepreneurial sort of thing in my heart where I wanted to be the founder, I wanted to be the director, the shareholder, I wanted to be involved in the decision-making, I went up to my two friends and I said, you know, how do I get in on this? And they said, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and And one of them, the CEO actually said to me, Tim, if you think you can do this, go and do it yourself in a kind of flippant way. And so I did. I left. I set up my own web development company. Um, it was doing really well. Um, so I was making websites, I was getting traffic from Google, monetizing the traffic with ads. Um, I mean, the, I remember one of the first checks I got from the ad partner was for £7,000 and I was getting paid £17,000 a year and the, the company i had just left. Um, so it just sort of, it, it was doing really, really well. But I knew I was using tricks to get traffic from Google that wouldn't last. I also felt like I don't have a profession to fall back on if this business fails. What am I? What am I going to do? Um, and then the final straw was uh, getting the bill from my accountant at the end of the first year. So the only cost in the business was me, and then this bill comes in for a thousand pounds for a report and an instruction to pay a tax bill. And I thought surely I can do this myself. Um, so I joined KPMG yeah. to figure out how to become an accountant so that I could do so my books. So just to roll
1: back for that moment, so <clears throat> you started your own business and you got you got your accountant bill so you decided to become an accountant. Yeah. I just want to make sure I yeah. follow <laughs> that correctly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so, so that, and, the, <laughs> and the
0: goal was, so I joined KPMG, the goal was as soon as I qualify, I'm going back to the business um, and, and I did that. As soon as I qualified, I left. Um, but, yeah, so now I'm an accountant working at KPMG. My business was still running on the side, the web business. So I started doing the accounts for myself. I started doing the accounts for my mum and her her dance schools. Um, and then, being an accountant who can code, I've just created a programme, a, a web-based um, piece of software so that I could do the books and maintain the books throughout the, you know, weeks and months. And that's what turned into ClearBooks. Okay,
1: The hanging on the point of you joining KPMG, uh, the, the perception I've got from what you're just saying there is that the there's a cost, there is an aspect to the business, so you went and learned how to do that, so you could do that yourself. Um, I see a synergy there in what counting up is at the moment, but quite often, advice given to business founders is, Focus on what you're good at and then buy in or bring in the resource to do all the other bits. Where well, you seem to spin that on its head a little bit. Ex- explain that. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, what you just described there, my CTO at Counting Up is a, is a big believer in buy rather than build if you can. And, and I fully kind of support that. But I guess early on in my career, I, I don't really know what was, what was driving it. But I think, as I, as I mentioned, it's partly... I just felt like I haven't got anything to fall back on if this business fails. So I need a kind of safety net. And becoming an accountant would give me a profession for life. So it was partly kind of survival um, thinking. Um, and then it's partly that I wanted to figure out how to do this myself um, because I thought it would help me in the long run being a businessman, um, you know, having the the, not the the ability and the skill to understand and read like the finances of a of a business. Um, so that 's what kind of drove me to it,
1: yeah I mean it served you well in the long run anyway, because, as you just got to there, that led to you creating clearbooks yeah and to, to tell us a bit what clearbooks is or it, so it still is isn 't it it is yeah. it 's
0: still going so <coughs> Clearbooks is um, cloud accounting software for small businesses. I ran that company for nearly ten years, I learned loads building that business, and I was able to you know take all that all those learnings and you know all, all the failures that I made and the learnings as a result, I was able to take all of that into counting up. Um, but yeah, no, Clearbooks similar to Zero Quickbooks. You know, we used to compete in the early days against. I was always looking at cash flow and, and free agent. Um, but it was it was a really good business, but it it never became. Like I, I honestly thought thought when I started Clearbooks, I was building the next age. I really believed. That I'm building this this huge company and it's a really good business, but it was never a FTSE 100 company, and that actually started to become a bit kind of demotivating for me, um, and it's part of the reason part of the reason I, I left. Um, the other part was you know this new idea which I just really believed uh, believed in combining banking and accounting, um, and for various reasons I couldn't do that within ClearBooks. so I I started afresh because I really believed in the idea.
1: Why, um, looking back in hindsight then, is there any parts you can identify of why it never m- lived up to or matched your aspirations, dreams you had for it?
0: Um, yes, so I was very hung up on equity yeah. um, and it started, so the business I used to work for, um, the web dev business when I um, left uni, the, the one run by my two friends, they actually invested in Clearbooks, and we started it as a joint venture. So it was a 50/50, and I always was hung up on having 50% equity, and I didn't want to go below that. And that was like just a stupid psychological, naive um, sort of thinking that I had. Um, so because of that, we never really took any investment, or we did eventually. We never took any professional sort of venture capital or you know fast growth capital. So. It never had the opportunity to become the big business because just you know there wasn't the war chest to, 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 to grow the business I mean zero had raised ten million pounds within its uh, its first year of existence, and clearbooks has raised nowhere near ten million pounds in its entire you know, entire lifetime so um, so yeah they're the, they're the kind of
1: okay. learnings the you mentioned something, and as you were speaking i would- instantly threads and even conversations i've had i think that's quite a common thing that business founders will always not always many business founders will see their business as their business their baby absolutely Um, yeah the and it's not unusual for people to be hooked up on owning a controlling stake if we go it out, so like 50% or 51% seems to be the one that everybody's i see gets hooked up on but it's my feedback on not feedback but my response to that when somebody says that is it's better to own 10% or something huge than 90% of nothing
0: yeah so uh i think being a second time founder with counting up was a, was really i was really fortunate to to have that opportunity to, to go again because when i started counting up and having experienced Clearbooks for nearly a decade, I went into that with my wi- eyes wide open to the fact that I'm going to go for this. It's going to be venture capital backed. We're going to try and build a big business, and I'm not going to get hung up on the equity for the you know yeah. the, the the reason that you point out having a, a small part of a, a big business is is, is is can be much more um, kind of well prosperous for, yeah. for you and for for building a big business if you want to have a big impact. Um, but yes, I think first-time founders uh get hung up on how much they own
1: the business. Yeah. Um you mentioned sort of lessons learned as well and sort of challenges faced. Uh, tell us about some of those during Clearbooks days.
0: Yeah, I mean I I guess these are just obvious things that you'll hear from any founder any business book you read. But having gone through it experienced it and then having a second chance to do these things right from the beginning or get them in place just things like having a very clear mission Like so our mission at counting up is to make it easier to run a small business um, i i don't think we ever really codified our mission at, at clearbooks or, or when i was there or or having a really clear vision like our, our vision at counting up is to build this one financial hub for a million small businesses we didn't really, I didn't have a vision uh, at, at ClearBooks. And just having these kind of tools um, give structure to the business and, and help everyone that's working, you know, as part of the team know what why we're here and where we're heading. Um, loads of small things as well, like, you know, just like tactical th- details, like how to run an efficient meeting. Like yeah. first five years at ClearBooks, I was hopeless at meetings. And then you kind of realise you need to document the actions, and people need to be responsible for them, and the next meeting you need to start with, have those actions been done. Um, so you just kind of pick these things up over the years.
1: and, and uh, The accountability part from yeah. some of those. Yeah. So did, um, did ClearBooks, I think I know the answer to this one then, did it have a business plan?
0: Um, in my head... <laughs> 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 well, actually, that's another massive learning. So, I mean, ClearBooks was I you know I was 26 when I started clearbooks and I was that kind of young entrepreneur who wanted to do everything tons of ideas you know I wanted it to be an accounting system a payroll system an HR system a CRM system a, you know help desk system and we built all of this functionality and like we ran our business off clearbooks but we we didn't have the we didn't have the you know we lacked focus um, and and we didn't have the capital to make all of these things really successful i mean we built some really great product but in the end we we shut down that help desk system we shut down the crm and i think and, and all the others as well we 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 retained the accounting and payroll um so yeah i think that i mean that was a big learning just to, to get focus and accounting up you know we're we're very focused we've got a very clear vision of the product that we're building and a lot of it really is about just executing on the plan like because there are still things we need to do on the banking side there are still things we need to do on the accounting software side and it's just executing on on that
1: kind of product roadmap plan okay and where is clearbooks today it's still a great business
0: still yeah. serving thousands of small businesses um a, a great piece of software if yeah. you're bigger than a one person business i'd recommend that you that you use clearbooks i mean we we actually use clearbooks accounting up mm-hmm. um you know we're a 65 person business now and um, yeah, we use okay. that to run our business.
1: Okay, and and how did the you exiting or leaving Clearbooks come about?
0: So one is the the idea that was sort of eating away at me that okay. I just felt these things should be combined. Two is it it, ne- it needed venture capital to to launch. Mm-hmm. I mean, the banking side was very ex- expensive to mm-hmm. to get started. It also needed to. Be, I felt it needed to be built from the ground up. Um, banking first, mobile first, which is the opposite of Clearbooks. Clearbooks was a web-based um, cloud accounting app. So, uh, and, and then the other, you know, it was just there was not the buy-in from the other shareholders. You know, again, just people sort of...
1: As in when you say shareholders, so the Clearbook shareholders. Was yeah, the, the other large
0: start. shareholder in Clearbooks, you know, this is a bit of a risky idea. It's not proven. Um, so I stepped away because I, yeah, I, I really believed in it.
1: But you know, as uh, where I'm coming from is as the founder of Clearbooks mm. and the person who um, sort of effectively created that company with some other investors. How did that whole transaction, how did the conversations go um, and how did it actually work for you to step away from the business that you founded that, and to leave it still running for you to then pursue um this idea that was eating away at you?
0: So, the other shareholder in Clearbooks didn't believe in this idea, um, uh, and so there wasn't the buy-in to do this idea within Clearbooks, and we didn't have the money to do it either because it's, it's, it's really expensive, uh, as I mentioned, to kind of launch the, the banking side. So the only option I had if I was going to do this was to leave and 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 start again and I was I, there were other frustrations for me at Clearbooks as well like we had um we, we we had an agreement where my salary was controlled by the other shareholder and I felt I was being underpaid um you yeah, know I'm still good friends with with uh, the, the the other shareholder that um I mean The two of them. One of them was the best man at my wedding, and the other one was an usher. So, uh, the two the two guys that I worked for at the the company um, where I started my career. Um, So it it just sort of naturally happened that I left um, and started counting up.
1: The (laughs) (laughs) the um, if. It's so, I'm struggling. Uh, for me, it seems surreal because I'm. I'm trying to relate to the situation I'm in at the moment. Now, I. I can't. I can't imagine a situation where I could leave. But presumably, somebody's had to come in and run that company. Yeah. Um, presumably, th- something had to happen to your shares. Uh, so there had to be a plan for that. There has, there has to be something put in place to ensure because ClearBooks is still running. So yeah. something had to happen.
0: So okay, actually, there, <clears throat> there, I guess there's another jigsaw piece here. Um, so my wife now runs Clearbooks. Right. Okay. Um, but she, she she didn't she didn't immediately. She she'd worked so um, like my there was a bit of a family uh, core to Clearbooks. So my brother was one of my first employees and he heads up the support team. My sister worked for me um, for a number of years, maybe it was five years. Um, yeah. My wife uh, my wife joined the company probably three years before I left. Um, and she was still there when I left. But she didn't immediately take on the role of CEO. But she she is now. It was actually quite funny when my my wife started at Clearbits because she came into my office uh, one day, and she was she just burst out laughing because she'd come <laughs> into the office to ask me a question. And yeah. you know this never happens in yeah. our relationship that that my my wife would be asking me a question about how to do something. So yeah. But um, so that's the, I guess that's the missing. Right, okay.
1: Yeah. So, so, so are you still shareholder then? You, the... Well, uh, Clearbooks is my wife's and right. Counting Up is mine. Right, okay. The, um, the, that, that's, that's where I've sort of come to. I've worked with my wife um, a few times. We've decided we can't work together. <laughs> <laughs> um, marriage is absolutely um, fine, but we've decided for the sake of our marriage we just can't work together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very different scenario, but we did try it a couple of times. The So that happened you exited the what was um having been through clearbooks and experiencing that you need this funding you've already said like starting a bank needs a lot of money what was the next few months or even perhaps years for you uh, to get counting up off the ground what was that like
0: uh it it was i mean it's uh, it's challenging but also you know i love i love that part of it Um, as well. So, you know, you get so many no's from investors, but then you get the one yes and they kind of validate the idea and you can move on to the next stage. So, I mean, the the first part was securing um, our first round of funding. And actually, I'd, I'd left Clearbooks, I'd already recruited my CTO, who was someone I'd been at sixth form college with and he was like the cleverest guy in our computer science class and I'd been going for beers with him, telling him about the idea and asking him if he'd join. And he quit his job, joined, before we'd even raised any money, so.
1: So was you effectively paid um, at this no point? No one was you paying have... anyone, so <laughs> he, was, s- he was unpaid. So was we're, there, so there's no money? There's, there's no spot.
0: money, um, yeah. I also, he then roped in someone that he went to uni with, who again joined, no pay at the yeah. moment. There was promise of it, because I was talking <laughs> to lots of investors, I was like, we're gonna get it next week. Um, and then he roped in a friend of his, and also, this guy was unpaid. So the, there were four of us. And for the first two months, my CTO was unpaid. For the first month, the other two were unpaid as well. So everyone had taken you know, a bit of a gamble. And yeah. we, I was frantically trying to raise this money. And I'd raised half of it from a VC who said, Tim, if you can get matched funding, we'll give you the money. Uh-huh. So I got a commitment to half of it. And then it was just trying to get the other half, and that was you know that was challenging, and that actually came from from business angels
1: um, so how did you the because you can't you can't just walk up to somebody and said, "I need ten million quid or whatever it was the what prep work did you need to do to even start that journey off and did you work with other agencies or was it was it you locked away in a room, pulling together your um Investment memorandum
0: I it, there was all I had was a, a PowerPoint. Yeah, that was that was all I used to raise the money. And it was approaching people on LinkedIn that I knew that had run successful business or had successful businesses. It was um, you know there was there was one guy who who invested. Um, and he introduced me to another person and got introduced to another and it was just following the rabbit hole of yeah. of people that might invest and just pitching them this powerpoint um, and this idea and, and and it resonated with some people some people got it immediately and you know it was just it was just keep knocking on doors until you've you've got all the money that you need
1: the how comprehensive was this powerpoint
0: it was it was uh, 10 pages uh, okay. You know, it was not comprehensive at all, um, I mean, there was, there was no product at all, it was just an idea. Um, I mean, the guys had started working on the product, but we had nothing to show anyone. Um, uh, and then it was, it was six months of hard work, just heads down, um, you know, trying to get this thing launched um, and in production, which we did. I mean, the, the guys launched a business current account in five months, uh, which is amazing. And how many
1: doors did you need to knock on?
0: Oh hundreds. I I think yeah, I mean I over over the, the five years I must have easily spoken to five hundred investors and you know, we've got yeah. fifty on the cap table, so it's
1: yeah. yeah. It's quite so cool. um, I still find it amazing that you've it's a ten page PowerPoint. <laughs> the um it's I mean I've from the outside looking in for that sort of part of the journey um, because I just see counting up what you're doing now and you know don't know any of this sort of back story until talking now and the the fact you can put together a powerpoint with an idea the mindful that it was just an idea at that time Mm. and your earlier comment about not wanting to you know not being hooked up on equity how does that work then if you're an entrepreneur with an idea, you, you're going out knocking on uh, business angels, venture capital, so these big investment funds, uh, to get them to believe in your idea, to part them, put the money up. Um, how does that work now then with, and I'm not asking you to say, you know, you know my equity is this, but my perception a lot of people watching this, all they know about investment is what the dragons sound Dragon's Den. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can imagine this. If you go on Dragon's Den, the TV, um, the good TV aspect of it, it's like, you've just got an idea. It's worth nothing.
0: <clears throat> yeah, <clears I throat> d- how d- is that in practice? I don't think I would have got any money on Dragon's Den. No, no
1: I don't <laughs> think you would have done either. But you did. Yeah. Um, which, to me, emphasises that... Dragons Den is great TV, and they are real investors, but there's a whole world of people who support entrepreneurs um, out there. Uh, but how does that structure? How does it? What is it like in the real world?
0: Do you know, I, I I think I'm fortunate in that I had built a previous business, so that yeah. gave some credibility. Like I had built a business, but some investors would would say to me. You know, especially the venture capital ones. So it's all about you know growth um, yeah. and and fast growth. And some would say, you know, why didn't you leave Clearbit sooner? You know, it, it wasn't great, it wasn't becoming this you know FTSE one hundred company. So why did you stick around for nine years? And yeah. and some people saw that as a kind of uh, a kind of weakness that I I kind of stayed. And my answer was, well, I didn't have a better idea. <laughs> <laughs> I've only just had this idea. So that's why I'm starting on the the new project. Um, Yeah, so that's sort of how how I think about it. I was, I think I was lucky that I had a bit of a a track record and that helped. Okay.
1: Um, But what, um, presumably there are These they're not just going to give money away. There has to be some sort of security protection. um, um, I'm throwing things out there for you to sort of say like ratchet or something like that that sort of um, makes things... Somewhat more commercially viable from their perspective.
0: Yeah. So for, for the for the angel investors, um, who made up half of that first round, you know, I guess they're protected on the downside in some respects with with the advantageous tax treatment. So like EIS tax relief and SEIS tax relief. So if if we had gone bust, they would have been able to um, they would have been able to claim back um, a, a large portion of their investment. So. You know that's that's really good. that's great about. Um, I mean that's a really good system that we have in the UK um, to encourage early stage investment. Um, but then in I guess with the more sort of formal VC term terms and term sheets uh, and shareholder agreements, you know there's all sorts of things that they put in to to protect themselves. You know if the business failed. They would and, and so say it was sold for less than um what had been invested they would get paid out first before the founder you know so there's sort of anti um dilution pro- provisions and you know there's all sorts of warranties on me uh, yeah. or or certainly in some of the early years when there's more uncertainty there were lots of warranties so if um if something Went wrong in the business, and it was my fault. I would be on the hook for seventy thousand pounds. I think was was what the the first sort of set of warranties were. Um, so yeah, I mean, but I I went into it sort of knowing all of this and not being scared about it and sort of embracing it. I think had it been my first business, um, I would have been you know they would be re- they would kind of put you off. Um, but I think you have to weigh up. Do you want to try and grow a big business, have a a big impact, then these, this is just the terms of the, the deal. So.
1: Yeah. And the, when you had those meetings and you got those first set of um, investors in, what happened next? How did, how did your working day change?
0: So actually at the, at this C stage where it was just taking an idea and bringing it to life, they were really good about just letting us get on with it because, I mean, there was no point having board meetings or, you know, or, or doing anything formal because we didn't have a product. We just needed to build the product. Um, so actually, they were, everyone was really good about just letting us get on with that. Um, and, and we did. So it was just sort of heads down, build the product.
1: And um, when did it move from you said it took about five months before you had your first bank account open? Yeah. The in fact, focusing on that, what was that day like?
0: Uh it was I mean it, it was amazing because we went around these shops with our MasterCards just buying stuff <laughs> 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 and depositing money into our into our bank accounts, um our current accounts. Uh so yeah, I mean that was a really cool day. Um yeah.
1: Was that a, was that a celebration or was that a test or was that a bit of Well oh, it was
0: a it was a test. Like we had yeah. to do this called kind, of, kind of pavement um testing where you've gotta make sure the card works in 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 shops, and it doesn't work where it shouldn't work and um, so for example, like gambling sites, you have to kind of try it on a gambling site to make sure it doesn't work because that's one of the kind of excluded um, typologies that we that we don't allow on the system but um, yeah no it was it was it was fantastic and I think you know I think as entrepreneurs though you're always kind of looking to the next thing immediately um, and maybe you don't savor the the wins uh, enough, but it was always okay. Now we've launched. Now we need to get some customers. You're always on to the next
1: hurdle. And what was um, what was that hurdle like? What was you know? How did you approach that hurdle?
0: Well, so we were running out of money now because <laughs> we <been laughs> gave for six months. We spent all this <coughs> money on our banking partner, and um, the next hurdle was a getting some customers to prove that people actually wanted to to use this, uh, and then B, raising you know, the next round of funding to, to keep going so that we could get more customers, build a bigger product team um, and, and move to that kind of next stage of growth. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was around showing some, showing some growth, product market fit, that people wanted this product.
1: Okay. And I imagine at the back of your mind, well, did you have the, the naysayers playing in the back of your mind? You've built the product, you've got some seed funding in. We've got to get some people using it now. Loads of people and some investors, as you said earlier, have said no, no, stupid idea, don't do it. Um, what was your mindset like at that point then? And did you have those sort of, you know, those voices in the back of your head?
0: Yeah, every every round of funding, it's the same. Um, you know, with with so we did our kind of pre-seed round to get us off the ground, and then we did well, on this kind of venture capital path what's what's called the seed round. And I was talking to loads of investors. Uh, we 'd launched the product, um, and I was trying to raise money to, to now grow the team and 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 grow the business and it was no 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 no, because we hadn 't got any customer traction uh, the minute we managed to unlock that, which we did we and it was you know lucky break or whatever but we we managed to get a channel working which gave us you know consistent um, consistent new new customers um, and the minute we had that, and I was able to show that to these VCs I was talking to, the conversation flipped and they were now, you know, you know very um, ready to kind of invest and, and back the business. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, you've got to, again, just keep pushing.
1: Okay. And do you, um, you've got the banking side mm. and you've got the accounting side. Are they, um, as a product owner, as I trying to put that together, is it, Exactly as the original plan was. Is it all be, you being, is, Are your customers engaging with your platform as you had the vision for it in the early days, or have you had to adapt the business plan somewhat? Or so when, when we
0: launched, uh, it was very much the business current account to begin with, and then we've been layering on top the accounting functionality over time. So it's, I mean, it's taken us time to get to, you know, the the, the, the complete the two in one. Um, so, I mean, we're there now with invoicing, with, you can do an MTD VAT return, uh, you can you know, snap your, as soon as you use your MasterCard, you get a notification to snap your uh, receipt and it's matched to the transaction and your accountant can get web access so you can collaborate with your accountant and they can self-serve and, and get access to all your, your information securely. Um, so, But, but it's, it, it wasn't there from day one, like day one was just a, a business current account, MVP you could do yeah. you're banking and we've had to build and build and build on top
1: okay so presumably um one of like the challenges you have with when you've launched a business at sort of that sort of stage and now you're here is working back through your back catalog and getting them to transition and move into your di- uh, like the extra services you're rolling you're rolling on yeah,
0: yeah. um i guess as they as they become available they they become adopted so for example, with invoicing not not every business needs to invoice, but when we made that feature available, immediately people that need to invoice in their business started using it um, uh and uh, so and and we're still working on both the banking and the accounting so recently we we launched scheduled payments on the banking side, so you can schedule a future payment and schedule recurring payments um and as soon as we switched that on. You know, it just got immediate uptake as people discovered it. Um, so, yeah, it's just I, I think all of these things are, are quite findable. And as they fit your how you run your business, you know, if it's relevant to your business, uh, it immediately kind of starts getting used.
1: Okay. Um, as you sit where you are, to, well, maybe not in this particular chair, but as when, when you're sort of where the business is now, is there any points when you look back and think like, I went through this journey at Clearbooks I've learned these lessons I'm now going through counting up what lessons if you were to do something else now would you look back at your experience with launching counting up you think I'll take that lesson into my next idea so something we've
0: instilled in counting up which I hadn't done at clearbooks but has been really useful is it's just like having a framework around Quarterly planning. I mean, we use it's quite a common one. OKRs, like setting a objective, key results, a clear plan for the business about what we're going to do over the next ninety days, and that's that's been that's been really good. Uh, and that I'd take that into a, a new business. Um, just doing things at speed. Um, so at Clearbooks, great business, but you know, over a decade, it was all quite slow, counting up opportunity to do things differently and and try and go at speed, but just the importance of uh, executing at speed. And um, I I take that into a new business. Um, I'm not sure.
1: I'm not sure actually what else, but... Yeah. So, uh, because it sounds like, um, apart from the sort of proving the model in the sense of, you know, to get, we've built it, you know, getting people to give you some initial seed funding, then getting to prove to get people using it that it's been a quite an easy journey, but I can't imagine starting a bank as an easy journey. So, uh,
0: what, what, why it's been easy, it hasn't been easy, but we have we, we know where we want to go, yeah. so that's the easy part. We know what we want to build, and we know the things we need to do to get there, and so. It's, it's been easy in that sense. The hard part has been actually doing all the things that we need to do to get there. Um, but, you know, Clearbooks, I just fell into that, like, mm-hmm. in a way. I, I built a tool that I needed to run my own business and to help my mum's business. And I didn't know what we needed to do. And I was actually, you know, I, I was on, there was a, a tool we used called Get Satisfaction. I don't think it exists anymore. Um, but I was getting loads of feedback from my early kind of customers about can it do invoicing, can it do... Um, v a t and all this sort of stuff, and can it do recurring invoices? so I was just discovering what we needed to do as we went along, but I, I, you know having had that experience, I kind of know what we need to build this time. Um, I mean the banking to be fair, the banking has been completely new to me no. that 's been a, a new world, and you know with, with the compliance and the fraud and the aml the kyc all that sort of stuff um, has been has been new to me but um yeah, we the long-term vision, we know what we want to build.
1: And that's made a difference, having that full, yeah. clear strategy. Um, and what's what's part of the future for Counting Up on the horizon?
0: So, um, I mean, the vision is to be this one financial platform for for a million small businesses. So we want to build a big business and have big impact on small businesses. Um, what that looks like is Beyond the banking and accounting, it's additional financial services, so loans, credit cards, insurance. Um, we've still got things we want to do, as I mentioned, on the banking side, so international payments, on the accounting side, MTD ITSA is the next thing we'll be working on. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's to keep sort of progressing along that roadmap.
1: Yeah. And looking back at the reason why you sort of made, you know, pursued counting up. Um, from the way you're talking, I'm picking up that the energy you, you have—that energy—and you're enjoying what you're doing. um Do you see? You know, have you got any other ideas bouncing in the back of your head <laughs> that you're uh, thinking? Actually, I wouldn't <laughs> mind giving that a go. Or um
0: oh, what's what your future like? I've always got ideas. um <laughs> I've always got ideas, but um no, I, I think the learning from ClearBooks was get focused. Like, if you want to, if you want to be successful, you get, get focused on doing one thing really well. So that's what we're doing. At the moment, and there's plenty of scope to be have ideas and be creative within counting up. Just keep the focus on the product. Just keep it to the core um, accounting and banking.
1: Yeah. Um, now, from my personal experience, having a board and being accountable board helps me maintain that focus. Does that have the same um, resonate? Or does that resonate with yourself?
0: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, our board, especially because they're all from you know professional venture capital sort of background uh th- th- there is a, a natural focus on growth like yeah. that's that's the um that's the key um so you know you're constantly getting that reminder that we need to grow and grow yeah. fast and um move to the next the next stage of the journey um so yeah I no, the board's the board's good for reminding me of that yeah
1: yeah now i can yeah. uh, I- have the same sort of view. I know the speaking person, I you know there's always ideas every week you think, oh what about that? What about that, what about that? But having having a board now works for me. Yeah. Where if I didn't have that board, I'd probably be a director of about another ten different companies by yeah. now.
0: Actually also my um my management team, my senior management team are quite good with me because like we're pretty open about it. They will say that Tim's the ideas guy. And they're both sort of the other, my CTO and COO, are more um, sort of let's do things well and let's stick to one thing and let's get that done. Um, So, you know, that natural tension between us normally results in a good outcome. Like, so Tim wants to go off and do something uh, and kind of restrained by the other two and it normally ends up in a good result for everyone.
1: And, And if you was to give some advice to somebody who has an idea, um, and needs some money to get it off the ground, if I keep it that open, um, what would you be saying to that person? So I think
0: if it, if you, if you want to be, uh, you know, create a big company, not, not everyone does, but if you want to create a big company, um, that has big impact, the idea has to be have a big addressable market, like if you want to raise capital, it needs to be something that could be used by you know millions of people um, or millions of businesses so is the uh, to check is the idea big enough? The other thing I think with any idea that uh, an entrepreneur has is you know ask someone that 's going to be honest with you is it a good idea <laughs> like i, I mean i 've had so many ideas, and actually um, the one and I'd tell my wife about them as well. I'd say, What do you think about this? And she'd say that's rubbish. Uh, but the the one idea that she said, Okay, um, maybe you should quit your job and do that was ClearBooks. Like when I told her about this cloud accounting software idea, she said because I had quite a well-paid job at that time, I was working as an equity research analyst. Um, and, you know, I, I quit my job. I went from earning like quite good money to a third of, of, of what what I was earning. Um so I, you know, definitely sense check the idea. Um, and if you do want to raise money and it's a big idea, then angel investor networks, find people on LinkedIn. Um, also, you know, the, 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 all the VCs that you know, you can get a list of all the VCs in the UK really easily if you Google it, um, and just create your 10-page PowerPoint and send it off
1: and see what happens. Yeah, and what what's the key data that they should be or what information they should be putting into that PowerPoint?
0: That this is a big idea that could. Um, you know have real reach and create a big business because that's what VCs care about like can you build a big business here Um, anything that gives you credibility as the person that can can do that because when it's just an idea basically they're betting on you you know okay there's this big opportunity but can this person um, deliver on that opportunity so anything that gives you credibility I'd put in Um, and Yeah, just kind of try and break down the roadmap of of how you're going to get, you know, what you're going to do with the money. Like, so there must be an amount of money that you need, but what are you going to spend it on? Um, Because, and that also comes to the credibility of you. Like, do you have a plan for this money that you're going to receive? Um, There are probably three key bits.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, Interesting story. Thank you. Um, Good chatting with Tim. And counting up is break so many molds from traditional advice as in the the going out for finance didn't involve hundreds of page documents of business plans' but you've done it the you was advised against doing it uh, by so many people saying it was a crap idea but you went ahead and did it and it's become a great business the uh, and it's continuing to grow uh, so thank you very much for sharing your story with us Thank you Richard I hope you enjoyed listening to this interview. Please remember to hit follow on your podcast platform, whichever one that may be. It really helps the algorithm and push this podcast up through the rankings. And also leave some feedback. I look forward to bringing you the next episode of Drive.